Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. A flood is a terrifying proposition. The rushing force of water, all-consuming, life-destroying, obliterating. We tend to treat Noah like the hero of a kid's story, but the reality of this flood is anything but G-rated. The poet of Gawain described it in a poem during the Middle Ages, translated into modern English by Marie Baroff. Then from the bowels of the abyss boiled up the big waters. Each wellhead spewed wide its wild racing torrent. No bank but burst apart by river or pool. The seas in great surges swelled toward the sky. The clouds cleft in pieces that carried the rain. From rifts high in the heavens it rushed down to earth. Forty days undiminished the deep flood rises. The flood does its work wiping earth clean from the sin and the mess of humanity. In the process, it eradicates everything in its way, everything except a square-bottomed boat carrying a meager sampling of life, Noah and his family, along with a few animals to repopulate the land. This ark is a glimpse of God's mercy in the midst of overwhelming punishment a hopeful glimmer of his unwillingness to destroy all that he has made, despite his creation's rebellion against himself and all that is good. Our Genesis reading this morning brings us to the aftermath of all of this. The ark is securely wedged on Mount Ararat. Noah and his family and the animals are beginning their new lives, rediscovering the world in its fresh state. God knows that nothing inherent has changed with humanity. The inclination of the human heart is evil from youth, he says in Genesis 8.21. And yet, he is willing to make a promise that this is the only time that a flood will destroy the earth, that the destructiveness of waters will never again wipe everything away, that he gives to the world the rainbow as a reminder and sign of this covenant. Everything has changed and nothing has changed. Humanity will continue to rebel against God despite the fact that he has just delivered us from the chaotic terror of the flood. All of our weaknesses and sinful inclinations are still present. And we made quick work of showing that off. Two chapters later, the Tower of Babel is going up as humanity once again vies against our creator. But God promises something new, a different way of interacting with us mortals, a novel approach to dispensing justice and mercy. For now, it means no more floods. But God has a much bigger and deeper plan afoot 
which he will reveal when the moment is right. And that moment arrives when Jesus Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, begins his ministry in first-century Judea. As he moves from a life of obscurity as a Galilean carpenter to begin his public ministry, he participates in an act of faith and obedience that looks surprisingly like a flood. John the Baptist submerges him in the muddy, swirling waters of the Jordan, waters that cover him completely and totally. And then he emerges, and as he emerges, God speaks. This time not promising something new, but proclaiming to all who would hear the true identity of Jesus. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. There is a deep theological and sacramental connection between the flood and baptism. In fact, we speak of the flood as foreshadowing baptism of being a glimpse of how God would one day work in the world on our behalf. While our new covenant under Christ is just that, brand new, in this foreshadowing, we see that it doesn't come out of thin air, but that the seeds of this new work have been planted all along so that we can see the continuity of God's plan for the world. This shows up in many ways in scripture, and all our sermons during the season of Lent will continue to come back to this idea. Baptism and the flood are merely our first instance of it. Now, Jesus' baptism is a little different from ours and from Noah's flood because he was sinless. In his baptism, he was submerged on behalf of all humanity. But in our baptism, we are submerged, or sprinkled, because of our sin. Each one of us is a tiny microcosm of humanity before the flood, sinful and rebellious, separated from God. And just like that world had to be submerged so that the waters of the flood could wipe all their wickedness away, so too we are submerged to be cleansed from our sin. In Genesis, God worked through death-filled, chaotic waters to make something new. And in our lives, God also works through water to make death and new life happen. In our baptism, we are buried alongside Christ. We die with him. Baptism water is the water of death. But it doesn't end there, because that water also creates new, resurrected life in us through Jesus Christ, so that baptism water is also the water of life. When the water trickles away, we emerge as a new creation, as the children of God. As the priest says when she anoints the head of the newly baptized with chrism oil, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever.
This is God's word of promise to us, like he gave Noah the rainbow and affirmed Jesus Christ as his beloved son. God wipes away our sin and makes us his own. But baptism is only the beginning. In fact, just as the flood happened near the dawn of the human race, and just as Jesus was baptized at the start of his ministry, for us, baptism commences our life in Christ. We are given a word of promise, and then we go live our lives growing into an ever deeper understanding of that promise and of God's love for us shown to us through Christ. And while the flood did in a way cleanse the earth of the wickedness of humanity up to that point, it didn't fix everything for Noah and his family and the humans who would come after them. In the same way, baptism doesn't make our lives perfect or easy but it does give us the promises that we need to navigate what life brings our way. We see this lived out in real time in our gospel reading. As soon as Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. He was there for 40 days, tempted by Satan, accompanied by wild animals, and waited on by angels. He wasn't given time to live on some sort of spiritual mountaintop after his baptism. He immediately faced the reality of what it means to be human, the journey of life in an unknown and strange land, the harshness of being tempted by Satan. In his incarnation, Jesus experienced the weakness that attends all of humanity. But he also had the promise of God to sustain him. He could cling to the word that the Spirit had spoken at his baptism, that he is God's beloved son, and that God is well pleased with him. And this divine word, proclaiming the reality of Jesus' own divinity, gives him the strength to resist temptation and to endure the difficulties of the wilderness. Similarly, our baptism launches us into life in the wilderness, where we experience all the weaknesses and struggles of being human. But God's word of promise to us, that we are his own children, gives us the strength to continue on this journey. As pilgrims in a strange land, we pass barren landscapes and wonder when the next oasis will come. We face wild beasts and temptations, and yet we know we belong to God, and this knowledge, this reality sustains us. Priest and writer Andrew Mays puts it this way in his book on desert spirituality. Quote, there seems to be, in Jesus' experience and in ours, a double movement, increasing exposure and deepening enclosure. We need to hold two things in tension, 
Like Jesus himself, we are exposed to the reality of our vulnerability and human fragility, exposed to temptation and to distorting visions of reality. But we are also, like Jesus, enfolded in the enveloping truth that we are beloved, God's child, end quote. As we journey through the wilderness this Lent, remember what God has given to you in your baptism. He has submerged you in the death of Christ and raised you up in his resurrection. He has washed away every one of your sins. And he has sealed you with the Holy Spirit and marked you as Christ's own forever. This is your strength and sustenance to face whatever comes your way. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.